maybe do a spit take across my computer, let it be known. Yeah, and also let it be known that she's <laughs> drinking hot chocolate with almond milk. I mean, what am I supposed to do? Drink chocolate with water like a heathen? I hope, I hope nobody was driving during that because you probably just <laughs> crashed your car into an embankment because of how fucking stupid that is. You drink it with whole milk and get the stomach ache like a fucking adult. If you're going to drink your chalky, no. your hot chalky milk. <laughs> it's too thick. <laughs> oh, God, you're too thick in the head. Oh, that was very close. That was very close. Yeah. <laughs> what are we talking about this week? Uh, well, we're crime culture. Hello. Um, that's Haley. I'm the heathen, apparently, Caitlin. Yep. Um, forgive if my voice sounds weird. I'm trying my best. Um, we're struggling this gonna, week. I was gonna say I'm trying my best not to sound weird, but no, I think I can just leave it at I'm trying my best. I am sick as hell, but it's fine. As I told Haley, I just kind of dose myself with as much NyQuil as my body can handle and Turn we've on got your a radio couple voice. hours yeah we've got a couple hours of like human me so that's where we're at all right um but also oh, happy valentine's day for you beat me everybody. to it you beat yeah. me to it yes we should have done loving versus Virginia, v virginia this week why are we so stupid <laughs> god yeah. we suck all right so whatever you know this one's a little just less proof, lovey-dovey. Just proof that nobody's perfect. Actually, I disagree. This one's pretty <gasps> lovey-dovey. Okay. I happen to lovey-dovey this this episode topic. Um, okay, cool. NyQuil. Dayquil. Um, that's not the topic today. I'm just... Anytime it seems like I'm not on this mortal plane, that can be your explanation. Yep. Um, strict Dayquil, NyQuil regimen. Um, no, today we're talking about Thurgood Marshall. Cool. Who, yeah, he was a... a great human fucking being and we can get right into that if, let's do it if you'd like um also i don't know why thurgood. i'm suddenly clearing this with you thurgood. amazing name thurgood amazing name a good name if 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 you will it's i should have looked name. up like what the origin of that was or like anything but i didn't think to do it mm -hmm. um i just looked up his origin which was starting july 2nd 1908 um that is when thurgood marshall was born in west baltimore maryland to norma Erika or erica a-r-i-c-a who was a kindergarten teacher and nice. william canfield marshall an amateur writer who held various jobs as a waiter or porter in hotels railroad cars things like that before eventually becoming a chief steward at a ritzy whites only club called the gibson island club Ooh, and one fun fact also about Marshall's lineage is that one of his great grandfathers had been kidnapped from the Congo and forced into slavery in Maryland, where he was eventually freed. Wow. Now, I'm not saying that's fun. I didn't no. mean it by that, by fun fact. But hearing where some of his heritage started, how how much, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, just horrific family history and that he was able to kind of contribute positively to healing not healing but getting reparations for some of those wounds uh-huh is i think just like look at what he's done yeah and for for the legal system for the country for for his for his family for people who aren't in his family just it's absolutely change can start anywhere exactly exactly i mean who would have thought 
But so not long after Marshall was born, the family briefly moved to New York City in search of better employment opportunities. But ultimately, they did return to Baltimore when he was about six years old. And growing up in Baltimore, Marshall experienced a lot of racial discrimination that later shaped that shaped his later passion, I guess I should say, for civil rights. Um, The city's death rate for black citizens was double that of white citizens. And due to school segregation, Marshall was forced to go to an all-black grade school, Samuel Coleridge Taylor Elementary School, and an all-black middle school, Booker T. Washington Junior High. In one incident during his childhood, Marshall later recalled being unable to use the bathroom because all public restrooms were reserved for whites. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Imagine being, like, a, a child. You'll do this to a child. Like, Yeah, right? But one of his father's hobbies was, which you can imagine was passed on to Marshall was following legal cases. In fact, his brother Marshall's older brother, and he often would go with their dad to court on his days off so that they could watch the legal proceedings and hear the arguments that were presented. And interesting hobbies, right? I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, and afterwards the three of them would debate legal issues and current events together with their dad challenging his sons on the points that they made and constantly encouraging them to prove their cases. And Marshall later said that his father, quote, never told me to become a lawyer, but he turned me into one. He taught me how to argue, challenged my logic on every point by making me prove every statement I made, even if we were discussing the weather, end quote. He probably got more education out of those conversations <laughs> than he did in school. <laughs> To be completely honest. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, But I will say, OG true crime family. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's what we would have been doing. I think it would be too much of a bummer to do that type of hobby now. Yeah. I mean, it's a different time. But still, I'm like, oh, shit. Like, that's the equivalent of somebody today being like, yeah, my dad made me watch a lot of true crime documentaries. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so despite the times, Marshall's parents really tried to shelter their children from the realities of racism. Mm. They earned enough money to live in a nice area, and Marshall was able to attend a first-rate high school, Colored High and Training School, which was later named Frederick Douglass High School in 1923. And he was, you were kind of, I know you weren't trying to like allude to this but you actually were close to hitting the nail on the head he was very like energetic and mischievous and boisterous as a kid and would Mm -hmm. frequently find himself getting in trouble and was often sent out of class with uh, with the punishment of having to read the constitution for his misbehavior interesting uh uh punishment punishment i mean i'll take it though that's better okay. than the alternative. I just watched Heaven Help Us on HBO Max last night. And mm-hmm. long story short, it's about a Catholic school in the 60s. And I will take having to read the Constitution over a lot of the shit that those kids went through. Um, yeah. But by the time Marshall graduated from high school with honors in 1925, he knew the Constitution backwards and forwards. Like, that's how much trouble he I had a one I had one teacher in um I think I've talked about it before in high school. I think it was like my sophomore year or whatever. She taught uh multiple grades of history. Mm-hmm. Um but part of it was we had to memorize the preamble of the constitution and recite it in front of the class. We had to uh memorize part of the Gettysburg address, all of the presidents in order. Um uh. which is why I still know it. <laughs> 
but I don't remember any of the other, any of the other ones. But I remember having to memorize it and recite it in front of the class for like one of my like for a significant part of my grade. I'm so tempted to make you do this right now. I don't. But I I'm not couldn't going to. even tell you the first <laughs> fucking line. I don't remember it. It was in one ear and out the other. But I only know the presidents because it's a song. <laughs> I, that's how I learned the states. I can do all of the states, and I used to be able to do it with the state capitals as well. But I've since I haven't practiced every day is the issue. I also used to I be used able to, to do a full split. I didn't practice that every day. So I used to know all of the uh, the periodic table of elements and their atomic oh, numbers. No, no, and, no, then no, El- no. and then Elliot called me a fucking nerd, and then <gasps> I got self conscious. Now I don't know him anymore. Oh, yep. we're gonna have problems. We're gonna have words off the mic. Elliot, you're not yep. a nerd. You're beautiful. Not that nerds are ugly, but like you're what? perfect. <laughs> I'm saying not that they're ugly, but I I just listen, listen, listen. Dayquil. Anyway. Yeah. Marshall getting this train back on the rails uh, mm-hmm. went on after graduation to attend Lincoln University in Oxford, Pennsylvania, from which his brother had just graduated. Mm-hmm. And it's known as the black counterpart to Princeton. Um, it was the first degree-granting historically black college and university, or HBCU, in the United States. And mm. among Marshall's classmates was writer and poet Langston Hughes. Interesting. Okay. Right? So while pursuing his degree, Marshall used his intelligence to kind of, like, skate by and instead focused on, like, having fun and getting into, like, mischief and having a social life and all of those fun things that come with being away at college. Yeah, fucking college, man. Mm-hmm. But then after an incident during which he was suspended for two weeks for hazing with his fraternity, he Ooh. turned his focus to academics. Yeah. And he was very bright. He just wasn't like studious i guess is the word that i'm looking for um he was that kid that like didn't have to study and could get an a yeah so then he started earning well didn't start earning but he earned good grades in his classes and then started like getting more involved in the academic side of things and joined the school's debate team which helped him Mm -hmm. realize his passion for becoming a lawyer because he led the club to a bunch of victories he was just Mm -hmm. really good at what he did He also became more involved with civil rights and helped desegregate a movie theater, which he later described as one of the happiest moments in his life. Wow. Right? That's significant. Very significant. Also significant was he took a weekend trip with his friends to Philadelphia, and that is where he met and fell in love with Vivian Buster Burry. And the couple soon married on September 4th, 1929, shortly before Marshall started his final semester at Lincoln University. The next year, he graduated cum laude with honors Mm -hmm. with a bachelor's degree in American literature and philosophy. And then he applied to law school with his first choice being the University of Maryland School of Law, which is now the University of Maryland Francis King Carey School of Law. Mm -hmm. And the institution rejected him on the grounds of race. Wow. Yep. They were all white. And so they graduated with honors and still like, nah. Mm -hmm. just wait so he decided to attend another renowned hbcu howard university law school in washington dc and marshall and his wife moved in with his parents during this time and his mother sold her wedding ring to help pay for his law school oh my god i know i know so there he learned about civil rights law and began to think of the document the, the constitution as a like living breathing document 
Mm-hmm. And he was mentored by the school's dean and the first special counsel of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, or NAACP, mm-hmm. Charles Hamilton Houston, who you may remember because he is also referred to as the man who killed Jim Crow. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 People don't always remember his, his the, the try name, if you will, but they always remember the man who killed Jim Crow, because what a fucking title. Yeah. Hello. So Houston and Marshall's other mentors introduced him to the world of the NAACP and would often bring him to attend meetings, watch lawyers discuss key issues, just really kind of got him involved. Mm -hmm. And in an interview published in 1992 in the American Bar Association Journal, Marshall wrote that, quote, Charlie Houston insisted that we be social engineers rather than lawyers, end quote. So he wanted his students to be willing and able to use existing laws to fight for civil rights and defeat racial discrimination rather than like, you know what I mean? Like being like, well, this, this law says that you can't do this. Yeah. Like just being, just knowing the law backwards and forwards. Mm -hmm. Marshall upheld, if not personified this mantra and under his mentor and lifelong friend's guidance and tutelage, Marshall graduated as the valedictorian of the class of 1933 and passed the Maryland bar exam later that year. Damn. Right? So after denying denying a postgraduate scholarship to Harvard, <laughs> he said, no, thank you, Harvard. No, thanks. Um, I got like, other shit oh, to do. Oh, and he did. Um, specifically, beginning a private practice as a lawyer in East Baltimore. And mm. a few of his clients, they came to him for help. And even though they weren't able to pay, he never turned anybody away. Damn. And he also took cases dealing with police brutality, evictions, harsh, harsh landlords. And he really began to develop his legal style and specialties and made sure he was always respectful but forceful in presenting his cases, which became kind of his like trademark. Mm-hmm. Um, and as be- he began to make a name for himself, he earned huge clients such as labor organizations, building associations, even corporations. He is young. This is his first year out of law school. Yeah. And he also began volunteering with the NAACP. And by 1934, a year after graduating from Howard, he was working as counsel to its Baltimore branch. Mm. In 1935, Marshall won his first major civil rights case alongside Houston, his mentor and friend, representing the local NAACP chapter in the case of Murray versus Pearson, which resulted in the desegregation of. Can you guess? Ooh. Ooh, it's the a good one. School that rejected him? The University of Maryland School of Law. He the very school that had rejected him. Pretty womaned that shit. He pretty womaned that shit. Five years. All it took was five years. Big mistake. Big. Huge. It's the and best revenge. Yes. Yes. Truly, like, this cemented the University of Maryland School of Law in the Fuck Around Find Out Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, where Netflix very recently almost found themselves as well. Um mm. But following this win, Marshall was appointed to the NAACP's national legal staff as assistant special counsel for its New York office in 1936. In addition, he successfully brought lawsuits that integrated other state universities. So Mm -hmm. from then on, Marshall and Houston began planning on how to have the Supreme Court overrule the separate but equal doctrine. For those who don't know, that's kind of the verbiage that was used for segregation in the United States, which is that like, oh, yeah, like black and white people are equal. They just need to be kept separate because yeah. it's like uh, we'll still provide an so education for 
black people, but they won't be able to go to the same school as white people, which is fucking stupid. They can still go to the movie theaters. They just just not our movie theaters. Oh, or or they can't sit where you can see the screen. Yeah, Um, yeah. they can they can drink from a water fountain that they can have their very own water fountain. Will the water be drinkable? Not really. But, you know, they get one. Yeah, so it was super fun, super chill. Um, something that somehow made its way past many people. Mm-hmm. Um, so after Houston resigned as chief legal officer in 1938 from the NAACP, Marshall took over the position. And although the NAACP's initial goal was to funnel equal resources to black schools, Marshall successfully challenged the board to only litigate cases that would address the heart of segregation. Mm. So he traveled all over the South to investigate lynching, the denial of voting rights, jury service, um, just really ensuring fair trials were being given to Mm African-Americans. And soon he became the face of the NAACP, at one point overseeing as many as 450 cases at the same time. Jesus. Yeah. How do you keep any of that straight in your head? He's a fucking genius. That's how. Yeah, exactly. So two years later, two years after he was he took over for Houston in 1940, Marshall helped found the NAACP legal activist organization, the Legal Defense and Education Fund, also known as Fund Inc., of which he was appointed to serve as its director and legal counsel. And through this position, in which he would go on to serve for 21 years, he became the key strategist in the NAACP's effort to end racial segregation, in particular, meticulously challenging Plessy versus Ferguson. Which, for those who don't know, is the court-sanctioned legal doctrine that called for separate but equal structures for black and white people. Mm -hmm. Um, So really just the foundation of this entire issue that our country had. And continuing his work towards his goal of challenging segregation and education, Marshall won a series of court decisions that gradually struck down that doctrine. That year alone, he won the first of what would be 29 Supreme Court victories out of the 32 he argued, which was Chambers versus Florida. And that established that forced or coerced confessions obtained by police through duress and violence were inadmissible at trial. Still Mm -hmm. used today. Something that he fucking argued that is still very prevalent today. You may not you may not know the case of Chambers versus Florida, but you know that like the coerced confession, we talk about this all the time. Yeah. That like he did that. He fucking did that. Yeah. Other notable cases that Marshall argued include Smith versus Allwright in 1944, in which he successfully challenged a whites only primary election in Texas, thereby establishing that states could not exclude black voters from primaries. Mm. Shelley versus Kramer in 1948, in which the Supreme Court struck down race-based restrictive housing covenants that barred black people from buying or renting homes and declared they would could not be enforced in state courts. And Sweat versus Painter in 1950, which deemed separate facilities for black professional and graduate students was unconstitutional. It's just wild hearing about these cases he won because I'm like, that was a law? Like, that was right? something that, like people were following prior to this yeah fucking gross fucking that's gross. wild and not that long ago uh yeah exactly. less than 100 years like yeah that's fucking think about i just i can't so on july 26 1948 president harry s truman signed an executive order rejecting the separate but equal doctrine in relation to the gi bill thereby banning segregation in the armed forces which only further prepared marshall to bring the issue of segregation in schools into full light mm-hmm 
After working tirelessly for years, in 1952, Marshall finally got the case he had been hoping for, and probably the most famous of all the cases he argued. Pop quiz, what do you think it is, Hale? Uh, I don't know. You got this. Come on. I don't. It's Brown versus the Board of Education. Yep, that one. (laughs) So literally everything Marshall had been working toward his entire life had led up to this moment. Like, imagine that. He went from being a little boy who could not use the bathroom because there were no public restrooms or there were only public restrooms for white children. Yeah. From being rejected, being a fucking genius and rejected from his first choice school because he was not white. Yep. He's made it to he's made it so far and he's made it to this point and he's mm-hmm. creating change. Like I I can't. I can't. I can't. I'm going to get emotional. We got to come on. Um so Marshall argued the case before the Supreme Court in 1952 and 1953 when asked by Justice Felix Frankfurter during the argument what he meant by, quote, equal. Marshall replied, quote, equal means getting the same thing at the same time and in the same place, end quote. After five months of waiting, on May 17, 1954, the Supreme Court delivered its opinion that finally overturned the separate but equal doctrine in a landmark action that acknowledged that segregated segregation greatly diminished student self-esteem mm-hmm. and ended the legal segregation of schools in the United States. However, first of all, like, oh, my God, I'm getting chills. Huge. <laughs> um, big. Major. Um, but short-lived. Um, because only a few months after Marshall's supremely landmark victory, um, in February 1955, his wife Buster died of cancer. Mm. Yeah. So in December 1955, Marshall married Cecilia Sissi Suyat, a Filipina immigrant who was the secretary to the director of the NAACP's branch offices. Uh, the couple went on to have two sons, Thurgood Marshall Jr. and John W. Marshall. Thurgood Jr. went on to become an attorney and worked in the Clinton administration. And John went on to, oh yeah, John went on to direct the U.S. Marshals Service and serve as Virginia's Secretary of Public Safety. So they just kind of, yeah, I know, like, little geniuses. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this guy. Um, So in 1957, the Legal Defense Fund, led by Marshall, became an entirely separate entity from the NAACP with its own leadership and board of directors. And it has remained a separate organization to this day. Mm. He done did that. And then in 1961, Marshall was nominated by then President John F. Kennedy to the United States Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit in in New York City. Mm -hmm. He spent four years on this court and went on to make 112 rulings as circuit judge, all of which were later upheld by the Supreme Court. Well, shit, this guy fucking can't lose. He really can't. He really fucking can't. So in 1965, like I said, he served on this for four years. Well, that's because in 1965, he was appointed to the position of Solicitor General of the United States by then President Lyndon B. Johnson. And from 1965 to 1967, he won 14 of the 19 cases he argued for the U.S. government. Damn. I mean, I mean. He would have been a fucking dope president. He would have been a fucking dope president. I agree. Um, oh, if only. But yeah, so he only served as a turn in this position for two years, however, because on June 13th, 1967, President Johnson nominated Marshall to be appointed to the U.S. Supreme Court, later calling it, quote, the right thing to do, the right time to do it, the right man and the right place, end quote. I think that's all true. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. Upon the Senate's Senate's confirmation of the appointment on August 30th, 1967, Associate Justice Thurgood Marshall became the first African-American to serve on the U.S. Supreme Court, to which he commented, quote, I have a lifetime appointment and I intend to serve it. I expect to die at 110, shot by a jealous husband, end quote. (laughs) (laughs) It's comments like that where I'm just like, oh, we still have a class clown. Like he's still he's still here. Uh, So in his 23 years serving as associate justice, Marshall served as a great liberal voice that held supreme influence early on in his term. As a proponent of judicial activism, he believed that the United States had a moral obligation to move progressively forward. And he not only talked the talk, but he walked the walk as a staunch supporter of upholding individual rights, expanding civil rights and limiting the scope of criminal punishment. Mm. So Justice William Brennan shared many of Marshall's opinions, and they usually would vote in the same block. In Furman versus Georgia, the two justices argued the death penalty was unconstitutional in all circumstances and dissented from subsequent overruling opinion Gregg versus Georgia a few years later. Mm. In fact, Marshall wrote over 150 opinions dissenting from the case from cases in which the court refused to hear death penalty appeals. 150 opinions. Yeah. In 23 years. It just and never that's working. just yes, basically. <laughs> um, Marshall also held strong views on affirmative action and contributed greatly to opinions on constitutional law and made separate contribu- contributions to labor law in the case of Teamsters versus Terry, securities law in the case of TCS Industries Inc. versus Norway Inc., and tax law in the case of Cottage Savings Association versus Commissioner of Internal Revenue. Among Marshall's notable majority opinions for the Supreme Court were. Amalgamated Food Employees Union versus Logan Valley Plaza in 1968, which determined that a mall was a, quote, public forum and therefore was unable to exclude picketers. So, okay, like if you've ever been to like I've been to, there's like outdoor shopping malls out here where they'll do like a protest. Mm -hmm. He's the reason why you can do that. Interesting. All right. Um, And then in Stanley versus Georgia in 1969, he held that pornography when owned privately could not be prosecuted. Um, if he's um, like, he just, I, I, I can't. Um, he said, quote, if the first amendment means anything, it means that a state has no business telling a man sitting alone in his own house, what books he may read, he may read or what films he may watch. End quote. I mean, I think there should be limits on that as far as the yes, but age and consent level of, said materials yes but that's not what this was in reference to this This is simply like can i have a playboy in my house again i didn't know that this wasn't i know i know you're allowed to make them and sell them what is the problem with it i know being in your home i know (laughs) i don't understand Haley got like a not peppered i guess i shouldn't say peppered but Haley got a series of zooted questions from me a couple nights ago too where i was just like did you know that birth control that contraceptives were not legal until 1965 and like i oh fucking wild man fucking wild um because this this researching his cases sent me down a rabbit hole of well what else wasn't legal because you don't think about that you like we're living in uh, we i think as a country the U.S. prides itself on being so free and all of that. And in many cases, we've got a long way to go. But some of these things, it's just you don't realize 
how much freedom you have, how much yeah. freedom you, you wouldn't have had a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. And Thurgood Marshall was a key part of that. A yeah, lot definitely. of that. Um, finally, another big case for him was Bounds versus Smith, which held that state prison systems must provide their inmates with, quote, adequate law libraries or adequate assistance from persons trained in the law, end quote. Mm-hmm. So Marshall maintained during his time on the Supreme Court a very down-to-earth style. Um, he would often joke with Chief Justice Warren Earl Berger as they passed in the hallways by asking, quote, what's shaking, Chief, baby? <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is even funnier, though, when you find out that Chief Justice Berger was a Republican who was so conservative that he didn't believe in female justices on the Supreme Court and hated the gays. <laughs> what a fucking tool bag. <laughs> yeah, but then the Marshall's just coming up to him like, what's shaking, Chief, baby? Hey, I can't. I we can't. can use the same bathroom. <laughs> How do you feel about and that? And I did that. Oh, I love him. Um, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's he's a fucking delight. Like, Justice yeah. Sandra Day O'Connor, a woman who served on the Supreme Court, by the way. Like, mm-hmm. Berger did not get his wish. Um, yeah, she served he's outdated and fucking uh-huh, stupid. Uh-huh. Though he, he had a very interesting, because I looked him up, and he had a very interesting stance on... Uh, the gun uh, on guns because I'm sure he did no because he was like hey this idea that the first or that the second amendment um allows anybody to have a gun as many guns as they want is fraud he's like that's not what it was written for and like we shouldn't be doing this and I was like yo even a broken clock strikes right twice a day Uh, (laughs) but yeah so Justice O'Connor um she served on the Supreme Court with Marshall for a decade wrote that, quote, it was rare during our conference deliberations that he would not share an anecdote, a joke, or a story, end quote. Although O'Connor initially treated the stories as, quote, welcome diversions, end quote, she later, quote, realized that behind most of the anecdotes was a relevant legal point, end quote. Yeah, he's not some fucking senile old bag that's, like, just telling stories to, like, get you off topic so you don't have to, like, take the test later like you did, like, in high school, like... He's, he's got yeah, a fucking point. He's got he great to law school. Like, he was a cool fucking, he, he was the valedictorian yeah. of his law school. He told Harvard no. He's like Feeney. It's like, <laughs> yes. you're going you're gonna, to like start with one thing and be like, that doesn't make any sense. But by the end of the episode, you're like, damn, it was a lesson all along. Yeah. Yeah. That's truly what it was. Thurgood Marshall was a walking, talking episode of Boy Meets World. And I would like us to go on the record in saying that. Okay, cool. I love this man. Um, so as the court throughout his his time on the court as it made a shift towards conservatism conservatism i don't yeah, know you got what it. i just wrote yeah i so yeah but i wrote for some reason conservatism this was probably a dayquil nyquil like issue we got um, it but with nixon's appointment of Berger as chief justice in 1969 and of conservative justices lewis powell and william reinquist in 1972 and then reagan's appointment of conservative justices antonin scalia and anthony kennedy in 1986 and 1988 marshall became increasingly dismayed and disappointed as the court's majority retreated from remedies he felt were necessary to address the remnants of jim crow yeah in his bach descent i think is how you pronounce it b-a-k-k-e He wrote, quote, in light of the sorry history of discrimination and its devastating impact on the lives of Negroes, bringing the Negro into mainstream America into the mainstream of American life should be a state interest in the high of the highest order. 
To fail to do so is to ensure that America will forever remain a divided society, end quote. Mm. But despite the change of currents, his voice remained strong until he did indeed retire on October 1st, 1991, due to health issues, Mm. um, at which point he was succeeded by Associate Justice Clarence Thomas. Oh. But say what you want about him. But I think it's safe to say that neither he nor our newest Associate Justice, Katanji Brown-Jackson, would be in their positions today without Marshall and his groundbreaking legacy. Yeah. Like, um, I'm going to... If you're paving the way for people, you're not just paving the way for the good people. You're paving the way for every single person to have the same rights as you. mm -hmm, There's a bunch of shitty white people on the Supreme Court as well right now. Oh, yeah. Like... (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) No, no, no. I know what I'm saying. I'm saying, like, it, it... equality isn't just for the good it's yeah it, like you take the good you take the bad you take them both and that's Facts it. Of life <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so i'm gonna quote the naacp here because i think they said it best that marshall's groundbreaking legacy was that um basically the chief, these chief justices wouldn't be here without Marshall's groundbreaking legacy as, quote, the architect of the legal strategy that ended the country's official policy of segregation, end quote, mm-hmm. the architect. I really liked that. Um, when asked at a press conference what was wrong with him that would cause him to leave the Supreme Court, <laughs> Marshall replied, quote, what's wrong with me? Hmm. I'm old. I'm getting old and coming apart, end quote. <laughs> <sighs> Don't I know it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Feel it. I feel this. Um, so after his retirement, Marshall served as a visiting judge on the Second Circuit for a week in January 1992, and he received the American Bar Association's highest award in August of that year. On January 24th, 1993, at the age of 84, Thurgood Marshall died of heart failure in Bethesda, Maryland at the Bethesda Naval Medical Center. His body was made available for public viewing in the Great Hall of the Supreme Court, and thousands came to pay their respects with more than 4,000 attendees of his funeral service at the National Cathedral alone. That goddamn liar said he was going to live to 110, though. I know, I know, I know. Damn Not it, even man. a jealous husband. Um, civil rights leader Vernon E. Jordan said Marshall had, quote, demonstrated that the law could be an instrument of liberation, end quote. And Chief Justice William Rehnquist said in his eulogy, quote, Inscribed above the front entrance to the Supreme Court building are the words, equal justice under law. Surely no one individual did more to make these words a reality than Thurgood Marshall, end quote. Marshall was buried at Arlington National Cemetery. Mm. His legacy lives on through a wide variety of tributes. Uh, He was posthumously awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by President Bill Clinton in 1993. And Mm. the United States Postal Service issued a commemorative stamp in his honor in 2003. Well, damn. Mm-hmm. Multiple streets, schools, and buildings across the country have been named after Marshall, including the Thurgood Marshall Institute, a multidisciplinary center within the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. The Federal Judicial Center in Washington is named mm-hmm. after him. And New York's 590-foot-high Thurgood Marshall United States Courthouse, which was renamed in 2001, where he heard cases as an appellate judge. Hmm. In 2005, the state of Baltimore renamed the state of Baltimore. Good God, the state of Maryland <laughs> renamed the, the Dayquil. It's it's wearing off. Um, the state of Maryland renamed Baltimore's airport the Baltimore Washington International Thurgood Marshall Airport. 
It's kind and of a mouthful, in, but I like I'll the, take it. the sentiment. <laughs> I'll take it. In yet another fun twist, the University of Maryland's law library is now named in Marshall's honor. Hell yeah. Those OG founders must be rolling in their graves, and I love it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. There have also been multiple references to Marshall in pop culture. Um, He was played by Sidney Poitier in the 1991 two-part television miniseries Separate But Equal, which depicted the Supreme Court desegregation case, Brown versus the Board of Education. It was a huge hit. Uh, Poitier earned both Emmy and Golden Globe nominations for his portrayal as Marshall among the series, the miniseries, eight primetime Emmy Award and two Golden Globe Award nominations. Well, damn. Mm hmm. It has a 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb, a 91% Google score and an 83% tomato meter rating on Rotten Tomatoes with an audience score of 78%. I was not able to find where you could watch it, but I'm sure if you do a little bit of a dig dig on the YouTubes. Yeah, it'll be there probably. Uh, Marshall's life was also depicted in George Stevens Jr.'s one-man play about the life of Thurgood Marshall, titled Thurgood, which premiered in 2006 at the Westport County Playhouse. In, oh, hey. in, that's, that's right by where I grew up. CT. Mm-hmm. Starring James Earl Jones. What? That's uh-huh. a name. Uh-huh. And directed by Leonard Foglia. And then it starred Lawrence Fishburne when it made its Broadway debut in 2008. No, that guy. I, we know both those guys. On February 24th, 2011, HBO screened a filmed version of the play, which Fishbourne had performed at the John F. Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts. The production was described by the Baltimore Sun as, quote, one of the most frank, informed, and searing discussions of race you will ever see on TV, end quote. Mm. Right? On February 16th, 2011, a screening of the film was hosted by the White House as part of its celebrations of Black History Month. Okay. Right? Really cool. And then finally, in 2017, not finally, there's a lot more here, but we're, we gotta, I was like, we're gonna be low on time. And then I spoke like somebody who is on NyQuil, DayQuil, a quill, <laughs> a quill. Um, we have Marshall, the 2017 legal drama starring Chadwick Boseman as oh. the, yeah, I know, the late, the great Chadwick Boseman as Thurgood Marshall. Um, Basically, it talks about his early work. Um, I'll read, I'm going to read the um, synopsis here. Young Thurgood Marshall faces one of his greatest challenges while working as a lawyer for the NAACP. Marshall travels to conservative Connecticut when wealthy socialite Eleanor Strubing accuses black chauffeur Joseph Spell of sexual assault and attempted murder. He soon teams up with Sam Friedman, a local Jewish lawyer who's never handled a criminal case. Together, the two men build a defense while contending with racist and anti-Semitic views from those who deem Spell to be guilty. End quote. Mm. Um, yeah, that's Sam Friedman, played by Josh Gad oh okay yeah no this is like this is this isn't just a movie this is a movie yeah um it, i haven't it heard of was, this hmm? i haven't heard of it no 2017 I, I, you said yeah i i heard of it and i've seen bits and pieces of it um and I, I, like i like the little connections like to like how bozeman who plays marshall that he went to howard and thurgood marshall went to howard uh-huh. um like like i just i'm really it, it's a good movie and i like like i don't know i just i really like they tried to stay really true to the history and everything yeah. of it um which is cool 
and it has a 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb with over 25,000 ratings. Whoa. I know, am I right? And then we and we then we've got a hang on. I don't my notes just scrolled because I'm not a human. Um, a 78% Google score, an 81% tomato meter rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and an 84% audience score with over 5,000 ratings. Whew. And the critics' consensus, quote, Marshall takes an illuminating, well-acted look at its real-life subject's early career that also delivers as an entertainingly old-fashioned courtroom drama, end quote. Hmm. And you can rent it from a lot of places, but why would you rent it when you can watch it on Pluto TV for free? <gasps> Yay! <gasps> I know, right? Um, and once again, 2017. And then finally, I'm going to close with a fun fact about this movie. In the final scene of Marshall, there's a cameo appearance made by Trayvon Martin's parents, Tracy Martin and Sabrina Fulton. And during this scene, their characters meet with Marshall, meet Marshall with civil rights attorney Benjamin Crump. Mm. And All I right. just really liked, I like it, like that they stuck that in there as a reminder that this isn't over. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that is the absolute saga of somebody who really just changed our legal system. They're good. Yeah. And definitely like the spark noted version. Like we could, yes, we could go on and on. Yes. But, yeah. but I was worried that it was, it was, I said to Haley, it was a case of like, this was the very like, not bare bones, obviously, but this was like, keep it simple version. Yeah. Yeah. And we're already at like, close to 45 minutes yeah. so you know we're doing our best <laughs> we're doing our best um do you have a palate cleanser or a warm fuzzy to uh end our episode this week um a palate cleanser a palate cleanser um, something you've been I've... liking something not true crime related for people to check out yes i've been um really enjoying these youtube videos on on YouTube, YouTube. <laughs> um, on YouTube, Dayquil. Um, yes, Dayquil. Um, a friend of mine from college that I used to do theater with started a YouTube channel called Dingo Does It All, okay. and so he's my. You know Andy, mm-hmm. yeah. You remember Andy? Um, he's just he's got he's he's a great he's a great presence, but also he has always been very handy. He's handy Andy, um, and. He's done everything from building like bath trays to creating like a little like breakfast nook in a tiny house and things like that. And so I've mm-hmm. really enjoyed learning more DIY shit Fun. and specifically learning it from Andy. And so, yeah, it's Dingo does it all on YouTube and I've really been enjoying his shit. And hi, Andy, if you're listening. Hi. Lovely. Yeah. That's a fun time. Well, um, my other warm fuzzy is NyQuil, DayQuil, the quills. Yeah. Um, check the bottle before taking it. Uh, make yes. sure Yeah. Make sure you're taking it when you're actually sick and not for funsy onesies. That, that um, as well. <laughs> this is not a funsy onesie time. I will give you that right now. No, it's not. Um, yeah. That is our episode of the week. You can check us out on our website, crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. While you're there, uh, in our profile, you can find the link to all of our social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We also have a Patreon. This show is free for you to listen to, but not free for us to make. So if you feel like it, you can support us on Patreon for as little as a dollar, as much as whatever you want. There's fun rewards at each level. Uh, you can vote on episodes, which will be our last episode of the month. Um, 
uh, other stuff. <laughs> what is some other stuff? Oh, stuff um, and things. Yeah, you will do shout outs, stuff like that. Um, you uh, can also support us if you don't want, if you don't have the money or whatever, don't want to support us on Patreon. You can support us for free by rating and reviewing this uh, podcast on whatever yeah. service you are listening on. But also, uh, you can just join us and chat in our Discord. Um, you can email us or DM us on any of our social medias, and we will send you the link to our Discord so that you can join in. Uh, we have fun over there. I do like little teaser spoilers of episodes on Mondays. Um, we I do... lurk because I'm shy. <laughs> yeah, you can also lurk. You don't have to talk. Um, but there, we have a channel where we share pictures of all of our pets and uh, crafts, stuff that we're making, recommendations for books and movies and music and stuff like that. Um, it is a fun time. Everyone's really, really nice. So yeah. DM us and join our Discord. And... I think that is it. I'm good. You're halfway to death. I'm the NyQuil is wearing off. I'm not gonna lie. I kind of used my last bit of energy, gave that final push, and I look forward to the sweet release of death tomorrow from this husk of a shell of my body that has failed me. It sounds great. I uh, hope everyone has a really great <laughs> Tuesday or whatever day you're listening to this on. Um, I hope the Rihanna concert was fun. Yeah, Super Bowl. Enjoy your dips. Um, yeah, that was too much. <laughs> that was too much enthusiasm. I gotta go. <laughs> we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Bye.